Welcome everyone to episode 125 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by Farrell Keeling to discuss Liverpool's goalless draw at Chelsea. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So not too much to say on this one from the Liverpool end, I suppose. Very few clear-cut chances for the Reds at Stamford Bridge, but Chelsea certainly had their opportunities to win this one in their first game since sacking Graham Potter. It was a disallowed goal for Reese James for offside and Kai Havertz then had one um, chalked off as well for a handball. So in the end, you'd have to say Liverpool probably escaped with a point. But Farrell will start with our three-word match reviews. And also, the big headline from the game, which was Jürgen Klopp's changes. So let me just run through those again. Um, so we had Joe Gomez in for Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matip in for Virgil van Dijk, which was partly enforced by van Dijk's illness. Uh, Robertson dropped out the team for Simakas. We saw Jones come in for Elliot. Nunez came back in. He, he'd been injured uh, for Gakpo. And then we had Firmino in for Salah as well. So six changes, more than half the team uh, following the defeat at Man City. So so what did you make of those and what, what was your kind of three-word summary of, of that game? Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's unfair or not, but I'll probably go with too many changes uh, for, for my uh, three-word uh, review. I think Klopp sort of spoke after the game in his press and he sort of said, look, you know, when, when you make these this many changes, it, it's inevitable that things aren't going to sort of instantly um, click. Whether that was him sort of admitting, I've made too many changes there, or him sort of saying, I was right to make those changes. I'd probably keep a few in the side uh, going into Arsenal and hopefully it will, you know, sort of meld a bit better next time. Um, it, it's a bit unclear for me, actually. Um, I thought it was just purely just a admittance of, of it not just not having works and there'll be, uh, you know, service as normal uh, come Arsenal when we host them at Anfield. But I'm not, I'm not too sure on that. I think... And it, it's a hard one as a manager because you have to sympathise with them, especially after the display at City. You're kind of, you're damned if you, you stick with the same side and you're damned if you don't. Um, I think the main thing there is, you know, given our away record, we didn't lose the game, but I think we had an absolutely appalling XG in the second half. I mean, we were certainly not the better team in the first half. So I think we're, I think we're quite fortunate to have, to have got away uh, from that with, with, with the point. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with that. Um, so so my three words are well, I was torn between two. I was going to go with finishing Spurs Reds because on the lines of Chelsea being wasteful, and you talking about Liverpool being fortunate there. But I think I'll go with off the hook instead. It's got more of a a ring to it, and I suppose that kind of sums up how it was just a case of you know we were told before the game because I haven't actually watched a huge amount of Chelsea this season, um, but. We were told before the game a lot about how Chelsea can't basically can't finish. Obviously, no kind of striker. It's a bit a big, big deal made of that for a long time, especially with this spending spree that hasn't delivered one. And boy, was that this game a demonstration of that? Honestly, the the amount of opportunities and, and weirdly almost got to the point where even when there was a big opening, you were like less nervous than you ordinarily would be because you you just thought, oh, they'll just sky it, and they did. Um, so yeah, really. Um, Really lucky in that regard, Liverpool. I mean, I don't think it's a good point, to be fair. Um, I think, you know, it means we, we will have to beat Arsenal at the weekend, um, which is going to be a tall order. We'll come on to that game later. Um, 
But yeah, so, so if you look at this important stretch of games against you know these top sides, and we're kind of one point out of six now. So from that standpoint, and given how much Chelsea has struggled, I wouldn't say it's that good a result, but it's one you have to just accept within um, the performance that, that Liverpool produced. So on the changes, um, for me, the moment that kind of summed it up was when you have Gomez dribbling down the right wing, um, trying to play it down the line to Jota, but Jota just runs inside, basically makes a um, a horizontal run. And Gomez plays the pass and the ball goes out of play and, and all the Chelsea fans jeer. And that, for me, shows the lack of cohesion that you're always going to have when you do this. Um, and I, like you, Farrell, understand why he made the decision to do that. I mean, it's about kind of inspiring a reaction, really. Um, and showing that there is kind of an element of meritocracy. The problem is, often the alternatives aren't actually better. I mean, for all Trent has struggled this season, is Joe Gomez or James Milner a better option at right-back for Liverpool? I'm not sure. And, you know, you can say that for for certain midfield players as well, um, which has obviously been a big area of struggle. Van Dijk too, I mean... I, I don't think that, even though he has been well off it this season, I, I don't see an alternative to, to start him, or at least a compelling one, um, to be honest. And and then, yeah, you have the lack of cohesion, which was a, a real staple of that Liverpool performance, I'd have to say, but we'll come on to that a little bit more in a second. I think it was interesting as well that, I don't know if you saw Farrell, but in, in the pre-match interview, they were talking to Bruno and they said, you know, are you surprised that there was that many changes? And he said, well, we thought there'd be some, but to see that many, you know, it was a surprise. And, I think that just sums up the reaction of Liverpool fans, really. And, and the comments about sort of it being like inevitable that there'd be um, a drop off in performance are a little bit kind of strange because then you sort of wonder why he did it. But maybe it points to, I mean, all I can say is maybe it points to kind of a longer term shift in terms of maybe these players will get more opportunities to gel. I don't know. But um it's strange to see a manager kind of admit that he knows his team selection is flawed. Um, but I think for him yesterday, it was more about, it was more about kind of the attitude than anything else. Um, and he was certainly happy with that. Um, and on that, you know, Klopp called the performance a little step forward. Um, what did you actually make of how Liverpool played with the team that they put out? I, I don't know. I, I think Carragher summed it up pretty much. Uh, during his commentary for Sky, I think you know he said something along the lines of our Liverpool as ever way too easy to play through tonight. And you know how many times have we heard that um, that exact same description um, this season? Liverpool are too easy to play through. You know the middle. You know he brought on Curtis Jones. I actually thought you know did okay, did okay. He was tidy enough on the ball. I think Klopp mentioned after the game. You know he was good until um, his sort of energy levels sort of depleted because obviously he's not a he's not a regular starter so he's not got the exact same level of match fitness as a Henderson uh, as a Fabinho as what you know Bashetic had prior to, to his injury but you know, I, I, I don't think it was good I, did he blow my mind no it, it's it it's a difficult one because you look at the summer and I appreciate I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here and you think if Liverpool bring in three quality midfielders does Jones get a sniff near the team presuming that we keep Jordan Henderson, we keep Fabinho as your sort of backup rotational options. I'm, that's my main concern. I, I like Jones and I, I would love to see him have a future here, but I just, 
I'm not sure tidying is enough to warrant a, a regular place in the starting eleven at a club that you know has ambitions and rightly has ambitions um, of being in a title fight every season, of going for the Champions League every year. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I, it is kind of last chance saloon for him this season, as far as I'm concerned. Um, whether the manager feels the same, the coaching staff feel the same, is, is of course a different question. Um, entirely. As to, back to your question, in terms of whether it was a good sort of a small step forward. I mean. Yes, in terms of the results, you know, we didn't lose. That, that's that's a positive. Um, but I just, I just looked at us and I just thought it was like, yeah, it was kind of, you know, we're just watching Chelsea repeatedly get through, get through, and you just thought, my God, if they had a decent striker here, we'd be two, three, four goals down. Um, it, it just didn't, and there wasn't, there wasn't that case. It, it's, it's so hard because I'm in a similar boat to you, and I think I, I you know, I. I don't agree with any of this kind of idea that you know Van Dijk is washed or that Trent doesn't you know I, I think maybe there needs to be serious discussions about where we play Trent positionally going forward but the problem is is that there are just so many and I feel like a broken record I feel like I say this to you every time I come on but there, because there are so many issues across the pitch you know the forwards aren't pressing how they're used to which then impacts the midfield the midfield isn't providing the cover for the fullbacks that they're used to um, or just the general energy levels in the middle of the park which then has implications for the forward line as well as the back line um, because there are so many issues we're not going to know to what extent the damage is for players like you know Van Dijk for Trent for that until all these issues get fixed and, it, and then, you know, systematically yeah. and go, well, we're playing how we should be. We're pressing how we should be. The energy levels in the midfield are correct. Um, we, we're not going to know how how, how, how much trouble we're in, really, uh, if, if that makes sense. So I'm. it's nice to not see us lose, but I'm just not... I, I was saying this actually to a friend that I, I'd almost... I'd have almost preferred to see us lose 3-2 or something and show a bit of battle, show a bit of performance, you know what I mean? Um show a bit of fight and I just I just kind of thought still lacking I don't know the, the most fight I saw was when I think Henderson got into an altercation with Allison. Yeah. I, I think it was to stop there was an argument between um, Allison and Matip over a defensive mm. mistake so I think it was just a captainly sort of intervention there unless I'm mistaken um, but I just didn't I, I was not enthused by what I see and I, I just worry that um, we're just not going to have a clue of the extent of the damage until we start buying and buying in the summer. I think you actually make a really good point there because, you know, you look at those players and it's an assumption, really, a sort of a, a bet on, you know, given that we can't just change, we don't have the resources or know the inclination to change everything. You're kind of just banking on them, kind of getting back to their level, but we won't know. I mean, I think with trends, you can be fairly confident that, you know, if you kind of restore something similar to what you saw maybe last season, you're going to get a lot more of the good and less of the bad. I think with players like Van Dijk and with players like Fabinho too, probably where there's a, a really big decision to be made, it is a case of, is this something terminal or is this a bad season? At the individual level, exacerbated by systemic issues. And you're right, that is, that is a huge unknown. And it's something that could really potentially define Liverpool's Liverpool season next year. It might not actually be the midfield. It might be, you know, can those other foundational pieces of the team kind of get back to their level? Because even if you do change the midfield, if you've got kind of a back four um, that's struggling, so it's going to kind of um, drag you down regardless. So, yeah, I think that's a really important um, important point you make there. Um, 
So the performance, I mean, I just want to mention that Henderson Allison incident first of all. I mean, I get that Henderson's the captain, um, and it's his job to to remonstrate with it with, with his teammates sometimes, but he he had this demeanor about him yesterday. He was absolutely furious the whole game. And um, you know, you, you do want to see players fired up to a degree, but I wonder if he commands the same kind of respect that he would have a couple of years ago because his performance levels now have dipped so much. I mean, you've got him, I think people were making the points on Twitter, like, you know, he's out there screaming in the face, really, of because that was a, a pretty severe altercation, screaming in the face of um, our best player this season. And then every time he gets the ball yesterday, he doesn't really look like he knows what to do with it. Um, so... Yeah, it was a bit. It was just a bit frustrating to see that. I suppose um, the performance. I mean, if we just go to the departments of the team defensively, pretty much wide open, um, to be honest. And uh, yeah, just lucky that we weren't punished by Chelsea. I mean, there was loads of situations where it just felt like Chelsea had no right to end up with as big a chance as they did. The amount of times we we gave the ball to them. And then looked exposed was you know way too many mistakes in that regard. And there was just times as well where you know we're just let we're just giving players space. I think Matip is the biggest culprit for that. You know total lack of awareness from him yesterday. And and this is a result that proves that clean sheets are a worthless metric in my opinion, because honestly, if you <laughs> if you can concede that many chances, I mean it's probably games where you know. You, you can look at it at the total opposite end of the scale and we've conceded, you know, there'll be one way there's like a fluky goal and the team's had about 0.05 XG yesterday, Chelsea. I mean, I've got it here actually, 2.43 and they don't score. I mean, so you, the clean sheet's effectively worthless, to be honest. It's just, it's not really a sign of what you did. It's more um, a blank from the opposition. Midfield-wise, outmanned, but that's going to happen when you have Fernandez, Kovacic and Kante. I mean, that is an amazing midfield. Kante brilliant. Well. Yeah, Kante, his body, his body's meant to be broken. He comes into the team and he's quicker than all of our players. But more than that, the strength that he showed, there was a moment where I think he outmuscled Kanate, who's probably kind of one of our most physically imposing players. And I just think to myself, how on earth has he come back into this team after so long and produced that before? It was almost it was almost funny to be honest, because obviously there's this thing of every time Liverpool comes to town. Kante's backfitting in the team. And then the other thing would be, they, they, we just couldn't put a coherent attack together. Sometimes we'd get to kind of that final ball phase and then just wouldn't really know what to do, to be honest. And that is where the lack of, of cohesion comes into it, I think, um, unfortunately. And uh, I'm not necessarily sure it was a step forward, to be honest. Um, there, there was stage to the game where, I mean, late first half, I think there was an improvement, but then the second half was pretty much a similar story to the first. Um, and the changes that we made when we did make them didn't have too big an impact, really. So, I mean, Salah got a lot of time on the pitch, but couldn't really do anything when he did. Um, and we'll talk before the end of the podcast about how many of those kind of players who came in um, will retain their place or should retain their place for the game against Arsenal. Uh, before we move on, though, just quickly to plug the um, the audio um, recording. So, obviously, this goes up on Spotify as well as YouTube. If you are listening on Spotify, 
um, please do take a moment to give us a five-star review if you're enjoying it. And you can follow the podcast as well, so it appears in your feed and press the notification button so you get a message every time a new episode goes up. And similar story, really, for Apple or any other podcast media you might be using. And yeah, just a shout also, while we're in a little plug break for the email address, which is redzonerestrictedpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, you can send us any questions, comments, and things you want us to address on the podcast, things you want us to change on there, and we'll happily engage with that. So one last thing on Chelsea Farrell before we come on to Arsenal on Sunday. Um, It has been broadly negative so far, this podcast, and and rightfully so. Any positive individual performances yesterday? Uh, We've already spoken about them. I mean, I thought Canato was actually good, uh, to be honest. I thought he was good, but... Again, it, it's a player, you know, that we sort of look at similar to Nunez, young, combative, you know, hasn't yet sort of climbed the peak uh, with, with Liverpool, so to speak. Um, but I mean, Alisson again. I, I mean, if I would be absolutely astounded if anyone gets player of the season above Alisson, um, you know, if, I, I think it would take. An absolutely phenomenal, you know, kind of win every game remaining the end of the season, and I don't know, Nunez scoring <laughs> hat tricks abound to kind. Of, but I, I've, it, it's it's worrying because you kind of look at that and you think, oh Christ, if we didn't have Allison, we'd probably be, you know, closer. Oh, not not in a relegation battle or anything that that's sort of serious, but you think we'd certainly be bottom half of the table. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I, yeah, I think Allison again. I think it'd be unfair to give sort of anyone else it. I'm just. So very grateful that we have a world-class keeper whose levels haven't dipped. Uh, how about yourself? I mean, on Alisson, the, the defensive record this season and that last night will have only exacerbated it in terms of the expected goals we're conceding is kind of mid-table, bottom half anyway. So you you take out the kind of player who makes the difference, who, who saves at a rate of, you know above the rate he should, really, then it, I think it factually is going to be a, a drop into the bottom half of the table. So we are very fortunate on that. Um, Canate, I think, is one of the few players you can look at in the team this season and say he's not been a problem whatsoever. Yesterday, I thought he was a little bit ropey. I think there was a, I mean, even for the uh, the Cavert's goal, I think he loses the ball in midfield. Um, so I don't think it was his best game. The the player I'd look at is Joe Gomez, and he made a bit of a mistake, maybe a half mistake when he, he played a back pass to Allison. That was a bit short, and Allison had to come absolutely racing out of his goal to. Um, to deal with it, get it downfield. But other than that, I think he, he was very solid. He didn't really do anything wrong. Obviously not playing his uh, preferred role. Going forward, not much. I mean, we talked about the thing earlier, the, the um, moments of confusion with Jota, but I think pretty solid defensively. Cut out a couple of um, attempted crosses from from that wing. So I think he's made a all right case, a decent case to start against Arsenal. Um so he'd be the one that I picked out. But, I mean, to be clear, we are talking about six out of ten performances in a game that featured mostly fours and fives. So it's not exactly like anybody set the world alight yesterday. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about Arsenal now. Sunday, 4.30 kickoff. Um, what have you made, Farrell, of Arsenal's sort of title charge this season? Um, their kind of remarkable rise. And what chances do you give Liverpool of Denton that title challenge on Sunday? Yeah, I think the thing they've got is ultimately, you know, consistency. But they don't seem to be, you know, mentally they seem quite robust. You know, I think there was um, 
I don't know if it was the Leeds uh, game they played. But I think it would have been the Leeds game, sorry. Um, you know, and obviously City have just gone and, and beaten Liverpool 4-1. You know, you think, you know, you look at that result and you think, oh, you know, these are catching us here. And, and then they go and, I know it's only, you say only Leeds, but, you know, to then go and smash Leeds in a 4-1. I, I don't know, they, they, they seem to, they've just got all the ingredients um, of, a, of a title winning team, you know, and it, it's mad to think that, you know, not, not too far away, I think, Arsenal fans were calling for Arteta to be sacked when the results weren't coming as consistently. And it just it just goes to show that, you know, that longevity in football, that there's huge value in it, huge value in it. You know, we, we showed the patience with Klopp, it paid off. Uh, Arsenal are doing it now with Arteta. They've recruited well. It, it, it's, it, it's a good model and they're playing good football. So you can't even, you know, you can't feel bad about it. Do you know what I mean? You sort of, mm. you, you watch it sort of go, yeah, Fair enough, if any side is going to win it, uh, it may as well be Arsenal. It'd be nice to, to break that sort of um, city dominance uh, stranglehold of, of the title in recent years. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of our chances, I think I'm not, I, I don't think it's impossible for Liverpool to get a good result. Uh, you know, we, we've seen that, you know, with, with United, if Liverpool are on it, firing on all cylinders um, and are up for the game, then you can absolutely take it to the opposition. Um, even even aside right at the top of uh, the queue in, in Arsenal, it, it just you just don't know what you're going to get really uh, from Liverpool. That that's the problem. If you show up with another performance like we did against Chelsea, we're way too open in mid- midfield. We're not mm. quite as aggressive as you, you want you want us to be. We're just going to get rolled over. Um, the one thing we've got going for us, of course, is that our home form is top four worthy. Um, so I, I think I'm, I'm not I'm not frightened of Arsenal. I'm, I'm just I think I'm wary, uh, depending on the kind of performance that we come up with. Yeah, I mean I think that's a pretty good summary. Um, Arsenal, like I think I've maybe disrespected them a little bit all season in terms of just waiting for them to to, to drop off really. Um, and to be fair, I still think it's. Up in slightly up in the air who wins it. I mean, they've got a decent lead at the moment, but I think the fact they have to go to the Etihad as well, and obviously now, um, for all that they have shouldered the pressure expertly up to this point, you'd have to say that it goes up another notch now. Um, in this phase of the season, I think Liverpool know that themselves. Um, but up to now, they have looked like they've got kind of the mentality that that Liverpool used to have, which is obviously a huge asset. Um, in the race, um. And yeah, you know, I think generally as well, it's difficult because I do view this season as a missed opportunity for Liverpool in terms of if things, if we'd invested enough money down the years, the squad we could have had this season might have been able to, it would have been right in there, I think, with Arsenal and City. So from that point of view, it does pay me a bit to see Arsenal there capitalising on, on a bit of a regression from City, but um, I think within their own right, they are also an excellent team. I mean, I think they're on course for mid-90s points or something like that. And any team who's kind of in that territory commands respect, really. They, they shouldn't be seen as kind of fluke winners. They are. Arteta's got them playing kind of... I mean, the underlying numbers show it as well. He's got them playing kind of elite-level football. Um, and they do look... Um, they, they look worthy of the team, uh, of, um, of that spot, I should say. Um I mean, it's not a team without weaknesses, I don't think. I mean, I'm not sure Ramsdale is kind of a truly top-level goalkeeper. 
Um, and defensively, I think they do give you chances, but they found a re- they found the perfect balance with their team. And obviously, they've got um, you know a couple of players in sort of Odegaard and Saka who've arguably been kind of Premier League player of the season level, maybe but for Haaland th- this season. And um, yeah, um, certainly in those kind of midfield and attacking areas, uh, it looks it looks great for them. And I believe that William Saliba is out of this game, which is obviously a big blow for Arsenal, given how good he's been uh, this season. Um, potentially see Rob Holden coming in, with, who I think has, has been all right in his kind of coming off the bench role, but is certainly a downgrade. So we'll see if that kind of heightens the kind of slight defensive weakness that I kind of mentioned earlier. Um, so in terms of Liverpool's chances, the thing that gives you optimism is in these kind of big big sort of 4.30 um, Sunday games. You know, you're looking at Man City, Man United. Um, there was the Derby against Everton, which is a Monday night game. But in kind of those big Anfield occasions, Liverpool have probably delivered their best performances of the whole season. Um, so I think it's going to be a different beast that Arsenal face, um, such as the kind of mentality of this team. That Those are the only games that they can seem to be truly fired up for. Um, and they do... Sometimes, with the exception of City last week, sometimes sort of drag their level up as opposed to when they're facing weaker teams, they're kind of dragged down to their standard. Sometimes they, they get dragged up to uh, to the standard when, when they're facing top side. So we'll uh, we'll see what kind of Liverpool shows up. The one thing I will say is, obviously, like you mentioned, Farrell, if Liverpool play the same or, or the same issues crop up that did against um, City, and to a lesser extent Chelsea, then they will get beaten probably by a couple of goals. And if Arsenal come to Anfield and win, I mean, for all Liverpool's weakness this season, like you say, I think it's 13 home games, nine wins, three draws, one loss. Anfield's still an incredibly tough place to come. The only team who's, who's won here is Leeds, weirdly. Um, if Arsenal come to Anfield and win, then um, that, for me, would say that they're going to win the Premier League. I think it's that kind of high stakes today. And then Liverpool, from their standpoint, more importantly, need the victory really for top four because as much as this is a really hard run of games and there's still a lot of games to go, the margin for error would basically be nil and the gap could be really big. Um, or, I mean, it is already, but it could be sort of unassailable kind of levels if um, Liverpool lose more ground this weekend. But last question before we finish then, Farrell. So we we talked at the top of the podcast about the six changes Klopp made. So... Um, Gomez, Matip, Simicas, Jones, Nunez, and Firmino. How many of those six players do you think deserve to start against Arsenal on Sunday? I'd be having Robertson uh, back in the back line. <coughs> Beg pardon, uh, personally. Um, if Van Dijk's over his illness, I'd have him back too. Gomez, I think, you know, it's probably done well enough. I suppose the question is, if you think, you know, Oh, at a home game, do you want uh, Trent's creativity? Mm. Um, One thing I'd say on that quickly, actually, um, sorry to interrupt, but we've seen every time we faced Arsenal recently, Martinelli's given Trent a really, really rough time. Is there an argument there then to put Gomez in for, even though, like you say, you are going to be sacrificing a bit going forward, but is he more likely to limit, maybe not completely nullify, but limit one of the most dangerous players in the Arsenal attack? I suppose you have to weigh up, don't you? Sort of what, what's what's the, the bigger game, Trent's creativity or um, 
better sort of defensive solidity at the back. And I think certainly whilst you're not quite getting the cover from the midfield that we're used to, I think there's I think you're right. There probably is a pretty good argument for keeping Joe uh, in there and in, in, a, in right back. I think it would remain to be seen whether Klopp agrees with that, but there is an argument. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think I probably would be leaning towards keeping him there. I think, yeah, get, get Virgil in, back in, get Robertson back in. Jones, oh, tough one there. It, it's... The options are so limited for Liverpool. And you think, who are you going to realistically put in? Like, you know, Arta, Oxford Chamberlain. I think it's quite, it's quite a fit. No, he's still, he's got a muscle injury. But yes, the, yeah. Elliot, Elliot is, could be an option to come back in. He was in the squad yesterday, but... Yeah. Um, I don't Elliot could be an option. Elliot could be an option. Um, I, I wouldn't be keeping Jota. I, I actually, I wanted to pose the question to you because I'm not sure... When you're picking your, fo- your front three... I do wonder whether you can have sort of a player like Jota in the same starting lineup as a Nunez. So for me, like the idea, I mean, the ideal sort of starting lineup um, would, would probably be when he's back fit, you know, back, you know, I mean, he was back in team training, uh, but sort of, you know, he can be trusted to be on the pitch for a prolonged period of time. Would probably be Diaz, Nunez, and Salah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we looked at sort of what Klopp was going for at the start of the season, you know, Salah's sort of been pushed more wide. Um, You've brought in this, you know, magnificent sort of huge beast of a goal scorer. Um, so you could see that we were sort of adapting from the, the wide men being the goal scorers to sort of having more of a creative sort of influence on the game. Uh, so that made sense for me. But then equally, you know, you brought in a player like Gakpo, who's he was experimenting with in that sort of traditional like uh, Firmino role. And you could sort of see, oh, could we, is that sort of a plan A, plan B? So, you know, plan A, you have your creative wide men, plan B, um, your wide men and your goal scorers and Gakpo sort of dropped a little bit deeper into that sort of false nine role. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do wonder, I do wonder about Jota. I, I think, cause it, it's got to the point now, I think he's on what, 31 games without a goal. I know that's yeah. only from 16 starts. So we have to bear that in mind. Um, but it, it, it's getting to that point now, isn't it? Where it's such a block of games. You're thinking you need a goal and you need it. You know, if you go the rest of the season, Without a goal, you've suddenly got a you know striker that's <laughs> potentially goalless for you know maybe maybe forty games, uh, yeah. which is again it, it, it's hard to judge how much of the rot is due to the systematic issues we're facing. But you know again we have to have these similar discussions around Van Dijk and Trent and how that sort of goes forward. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I thought Firmino played really well to be honest. Um, I, was, I was reasonably impressed with him, but I would probably, I'd probably be looking to, yeah, I'd get sort of Salah back in, I'd get Gakpo, so I think I'd only be looking, looking to keep maybe maybe Jones, uh, Jones and Gomez. How, how yeah. about you? Well, I definitely keep Gomez. I'd probably, it's so annoying that Thiago's still out. I mean, I think <laughs> he he might be he might be back here in squad contention. For the weekend, but even though it is Tuesday to Sunday, I'm not sure there's going to be enough time there, especially for him to kind of get ready to start. Um, but if he is on the bench and he can give you half an hour, then it does kind of lower the stakes a bit because then you know you can kind of have his impact. Um, I'd probably lean Elliot for this one. Um, it, it's not again, I mean, the whole selection right now, you, you're looking at three midfielders now and none of them. 
potentially going to be in the starting lineup next season, really. Um, but yeah, so aside from that, I think I would I keep Gomez in the team. I'm going to say yes, just because if Klopp is kind of looking for a little bit of a culture shift with his selection yesterday, then maybe do it. And, you know, you can bring Trent off the bench as well um, if you're not getting anything from Gomez in terms of offensive output. Um, Van Dijk comes back in for me for reasons I stated before, as does Robertson, who I generally think has been okay this season. Um, and then my front line would probably be Salah, Gakpo, Nunez again. Um, I'd say... None of the attackers, I mean, Salah's the close, but none of the attackers are in particularly kind of red-hot form at the moment. Um, so I, I think when Jota and Firmino came back, we were really hopeful that it would kind of raise the entire, the whole level and, you you know, you have kind of the benefits of that elite level depth again, but we just haven't felt that because um, especially Jota hasn't really made the impact. The only thing I would say on Jota is every time he, he plays against Arsenal, he seems to score, so... Um, if we can kind of use that kind of magic that he has against them, um, maybe to our advantage. Um, do you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to declare it that Jota will score on, on Sunday. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if that one comes back to bite me or not. But yeah, that'll that'll be all for this episode, I think. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, because like I said, we upload our podcast on there as well. Remember to uh, like the video if you enjoyed it. You can leave a comment too. And please do subscribe to the channel. Um, we will be back, like I say, after that game against Arsenal on Sunday. Um, so stick with us for that. But yeah, until then, take care.